1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to MoneyWise. MoneyWise is brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. We're so happy to be with you this morning. We've got three other distinguished gentlemen in this room. I'm not counting myself in that category. Uh, first of all, there's a Brody Houtman. Good morning, Brody. Brody is a master mason. He's a member of the Masonic fraternity. He's a quite brilliant student, I think, but uh, I'm thrilled the fact that he's a mason. We also have brother and also known as worshipful Dino Valenti. Uh, Dino, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, Dino is currently master of Quiticus Lodge. No, I am a master elect of Massasoit Manigansett in Fall River. Master elect. Past master, junior past master at Pythagorean in Marion. Marion. Yes, and of course, I knew that you were past master of Pythagorean Lodge in Marion. So it's Massasoit Narragansett of Fall River. In Fall River, master elect. So yes, sir. It's a sort of double duty, isn't it? It is. And um, let's see. I guess Massasoit Narragansett is hard to pronounce, so people call it Massonary a lot, don't they? Very true. Yep. It's a lot easier that way. And the other brother we have with us this morning is also a Mason and worshipful master, Sean Themis, new, newly installed master of Star in the East Lodge. Not even a month ago. Not even a month ago. So last night I popped into Lodge briefly. I couldn't stay, but I told Sean, I was looking through some of my Masonic materials, including a little photograph album that I had, and it was 20 years ago that I was master of Star in the East Lodge. And boy, I don't know where the years have gone by. Well, so um, Sean, you are also a financial planner in our community. I am. And, And do you work for yourself? Uh, Yes, I'm an independent contractor through Bay State Financial. Okay, yep, and I'm familiar with Bay State Financial. And Dino, you're retired at the moment, I believe. Yes, I am. I was in the aviation professional community for 45 years. And that included uh, time in the Navy? Naval Aviation 30 and commercial aviation as a force striper, left front seat command pilot for American Airlines for about another 15 so you get to fly the big jets. I did. And before that, you flew Navy jets? Yes. And what kind of jets did you fly? Well, I flew uh, my first transition training out of Pensacola was the A-4. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Vietnam was the F-4 Phantom, which okay. is a dual place. Uh, that, that must have been fun to fly. Ride. Yes, it is. Um, and then a whole bevy and collection of all the naval inventory, including multiple engine, uh, big patrol planes, the uh, P-3. Uh, which is anti-submarine warfare out of uh, all over the world as well as out of South Weymouth, back when they were flying South Weymouth, which is now up in Brunswick, Maine. Helicopters, naval helicopters, and just about everything that's ever been built to fly, including hot air balloons. So I've had a heck of a career. Including hot air <laughs> balloons, okay. Way up in the air. <laughs> I'm back down on the ground, though. Well, I've flown in things before, <laughs> and I flew inside of a, a fighter jet once. And I've flown in a lot of military transports over the years. So thank you for your service, and thank you for doing a good job so that Very I well. got where I needed to go safely. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's all about safety is always number one. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't guessed today, we're going to be talking about the subject of Freemasonry. We've got a special reason for doing that. We're going to be having an open house on Saturday, October 17th at all the lodges across the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. But how diverse Masons are when you think about it. So we have a student, soon to be graduated, computer expert, and uh, he's not talking today. He's just running the boards for us. He just gave me a big message that said, I'm not on today. (laughs) Brody, you're always on, but that's all right. He's a great technician. (laughs) But he's not in front of a microphone. Very sharp. Thank you for your assistance. (laughs) But what a diverse group we all are when you think about it. Sean, you're in financial planning. You help a lot of people make smart decisions about protecting their money and their assets and planning for retirement. Um, Dino, you've worked in the military and served the military for many years. And um, my background is that 
I practice law for a long time, and I also do financial planning work and retirement planning work. So, but today it's not about us, gentlemen. Today it's not about us, brothers. And what's the first requirement to become a Mason in Massachusetts? Sean, how, how old do you have to be to be a Mason in Massachusetts? Uh, you have to be 18 years old, a man. Okay. You have to be a man uh, of good reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't have a criminal record, for example. Um, but you have to be at least 18 years of age. I was going to say of sound mind, but that has to do with a will, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you should Great be of point. sound mind. I think anyway. it, <laughs> you, you cannot be an old man in his dotage, as the expression yeah, goes. Yeah. Uh, you have to have your wits about you and your sense about you. But one of the things that I have found very special over the years in being a Mason is I've had the opportunity to introduce, oh, at least six worthy men to become a Mason. And that's very inspirational when that happens. Including, I would mention, Brody. I introduced Brody to Freemasonry and sponsored him and, and was there for his degrees. I remember that. And another gentleman recently who is now a member of your line of officers, Sean. We won't mention his name on the air because he may not want that. Fair enough. But... Um, so uh, Brody's going to help us at the end to uh, wrap up the show, and thank you, Brody, for your assistance. So let's start out by talking about uh, some real simple questions. Uh, we've got lots to talk about. We're going to talk about some of the fa- famous Masons in this country and what it has meant for Masons to be involved in the founding of our country. And let's just talk about what is Freemasonry in general. And feel free to pitch in anywhere you want. I promise I'm not going to do all the talking today. But we're a fr- oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Exactly. Just kidding. I have a tendency to do that. No, we have much to contribute. Absolutely. But we are the world's oldest and largest fraternity. It's a great gathering of men in many places around the world as well as this country. And it's comprised of adult men. As Sean said, you have to be at least 18 years of age of good character. Every race, religion, age, income, education, and opinion. Do you have to have a particular religious belief to become a Mason, Dino? No, you do not. But you are required to believe in a deity of a form that is beyond just you. Okay. That's the number one question that is required. If you cannot say that I believe in a deity, the application process stops at that point. But you can be of any particular religion that you choose, right? Absolutely. That is true. And you don't even have to belong to a religion. You just have to believe in a single deity. Correct. And um, so we have in our lodge uh, brethren who are Protestant, Catholic, uh, Jewish, Armenian, Greek, all kinds of different religions are in our lodge. And it's one of the things I like about Star in the East Lodge, our lodge, which meets in New Bedford on County Street. I like that in particular, that we don't celebrate religion, but we do something very special, uh, don't we, every time we open up a lodge? We do. So how do we open a lodge generally? Um. So whenever a, a lodge is open, we do have a prayer to start off the lodge. Okay. Uh, which I feel is very important as we're, there's going to be business at hand. Uh, in, in my opinion, it's, it's getting that blessed, blessing from whatever deity you believe in, whatever higher power you have, mm-hmm. to uh, look over what you're doing and make sure that uh, everything happens productively and um, – with that blessing, to just so everything everything goes smoothly, I guess is the the way to say that. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about opening, uh, I guess actually we open and we close the lodge with a prayer, with don't prayer. we? Absolutely. And when a man takes his obligations uh, to become a mason, uh, he does so, and he takes an oath on his particular book of religion. Um, it can be the Holy Bible. It can be the Torah, if the he's Quran. Jewish, or the Koran. Right. Um, it can be whatever particular religious book of beliefs this person is involved in. 
So nobody is required to do it on the Bible, for example. So what's the second most important thing we do when we open up the lodge? Uh, the pledge to the flag? We salute the, we salute the, pledge of our, the flag of our country with the Pledge of Allegiance, and everybody does it in unison because we are also a patriotic organization, aren't we? Absolutely. And that's very important in our history. So Freemasonry is nothing more than the world's oldest and largest fraternity. Um, adult men age 18 years of, or older. Uh, every particular background, every particular belief. And Freemasonry is basically an organization which we think helps strengthen the character of every individual who belongs and who joins and who participates. And... Um, we have a lot of camaraderie, we have a lot of fellowship, and we have a lot of history in this country too, don't we? We do. A lot of history in this country. And in the state of Massachusetts, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, we are considered to be the third oldest Masonic jurisdiction in the world. England was the first uh, Masonic Lodge that was created. Ireland was number two. Was it Ireland? We were having a conversation about this last night. Ireland was We weren't sure two. if it was Ireland or Scotland. No, no, no. We precede Scotland's. Uh, Massachusetts was number three, and Scotland was number four. So we have an older Masonic organization in Massachusetts than even Scotland does. There's yeah, much- it's interesting to note, gentlemen, brothers, that England started in June around the 24th of 1717. Right. So we're well over 300 years old with England alone, which was the first Grand Lodge of Masonry in the world. Around 1724-ish or in the 1720s, early, mid-20s, came along Scotland, Ireland, in com- combination, whatever. Anyway, we got our letters of uh, permission, dispensation from the Grand Lodges of, and it's also debatable, Scotland, England, mostly England, for 1733, right. which was the colonial era. So, which is amazing. It is. We are in Massachusetts, Absolutely. the third oldest in the whole world. It, someone, it was mentioned last night when we were having the discussion that actually Massachusetts has a few other lodges that are under our jurisdiction. I believe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was, it was told to me that uh, Cuba falls under the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts. That is true. So I didn't know that. That's interesting. I didn't know that until last night. And, and uh, there's another one, too. I forget what the other island is. But there's a couple islands. It might just, be the Virgin Islands. It might be, but it, it, because they're closer to us. And Back we were here territorial, before. We were expanding, uh, and we had a tremendous influence, especially when President Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, was president, who was one of our brothers mm-hmm. and one of, one of the greats, uh, one of the giants, of course. Um, those uh, Caribbean and uh, foreign lands, or under our umbrella, so to speak. The La Guantanamo Bay was another one that was mentioned <laughs> that is under the, falls under the jurisdiction of Massachusetts. Okay. Just thought that was kind of interesting. It is interesting. We have incredible history in the state of Massachusetts, and I always tell people if you live in Massachusetts and you want to become a Mason in Massachusetts, I think it's the most wonderful place to become a Mason because of our incredible history. It is. So, Dino, have you ever heard of the Boston Tea Party? Yes, I have. So what... What was the Boston Tea Party all about? Does any, anybody remember that? Yes. Uh, well, historically, and unfortunately, it is not taught in the usual school books in uh, American education, but it was the Freemasons of the Boston area lodges. It's either, I believe it's either St. Andrew or St. John's Lodge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, back in those days, they always met in a tavern. And taverns had both uh, food and uh, lodging, and they always had a room above that they would be able to afford to have meetings, much like uh, a uh, a veterans hall, perhaps, uh, nowadays, that's the same. And uh, the band of brothers who were very politically activated in their day, all the colonials were, and many of them were Freemasons, decided to get together and uh, take care of the tea tax that was very unfairly pressed on everyone in the Boston area. By the British. And they dressed up as Indians, American uh, natives, and went out and dumped all those chests of tea, which were a lot of them, into the Boston Harbor, went back, got dressed, cleaned up, had a nice meal, and they never got caught. 
So about half of the members of the Boston Tea Party, which was really uh, to protest the tax imposed by the British, were Masons, were members of the Masonic yeah, Fraternity. Absolutely. Very instrumental in helping to create the revolution in this country. They were the leaders. They were the giants. I don't, and I don't know got if the job of, done. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if either of you are aware of this, but I want to say it was probably about four or five years back when we were doing the cleanup of the Lodgen County Street. Um, it was actually found in the basement a lock from the Boston Tea Party that was brought, we brought it to Boston. I think I heard to that. To the Grand Lodge. So yep. there was actually a, a lock that was cut off from those uh, cases of tea that archive. somehow ended up <laughs> in the lodge in New Bedford. I, How impressive really is that? It was really cool to me to hear, yeah. to see that. You know, wow, that's That's the kind of thing that gives you goosebumps. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It does. Well, we have an incredible amount of history. Uh, we are the third oldest Masonic jurisdiction in the world. We celebrate that fact. We are also a very interesting lodge, Grand Lodge of Massachusetts, um, and I've had the pleasure of serving in a number of capacities with the Grand Lodge in the past, and it's been a, a lot of fun. The Grand Lodge of Massachusetts, first of all, is in downtown Boston. It's right off the Boston Common. It is open to the public. You, you have to get permission to go through and to tour it, but it's a wonderful historic place to see, and I uh, highly recommend it. But um, so if you want to know something about history, you know, talk to us at the, at the lodge. We are going to have an open house every lodge in Massachusetts. I'm going to give you a list of the places where this is going to take place. On Saturday, October 17, uh, coming up right after the, uh, this show is uh, broadcast on a Sunday, all the lodges in Massachusetts are going to have an open house from 9 o'clock in the morning until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That includes in Marion, Pythagorean Lodge at 13 Spring Street. In Fairhaven, the George Tabor Masonic Lodge is on 20 Center Street. Westport has Nokachoke Lodge on 305 Hicksbridge Road. There are three lodges that meet in the New Bedford Building on 435 County Street. Star in the East Lodge, Howland Lodge, and Quiticus Lodge. And then in Fall River on 52 Columbus Drive, uh, King Philip Lodge, Massasoit Narragansett, and Mount Hope Lodge will be having an open house there. There are lots of places. If you can't remember all this and can't write it all down, ask anybody who's a Mason or give a call to our office at 508-998-8858. We'll be happy to give you the information and show you how to get there. But um, it's a friendly thing. You'll have an opportunity to visit the lodge building, see what it looks like inside of a lodge building. Um, It's not open to just men to go and visit. You can go there uh, as a woman. You can go there a husband or wife if you want to visit and see what it looks like inside. There'll be people there to greet you. Um, I'm not sure if they're doing refreshments or not, but... And we will be observing the CDC protocols, absolutely. There will be masks and hand cleaner and gloves available for everyone required. And um, I might add that every one of these buildings, and there are 225 of them in Massachusetts alone, um, are all historically significant. Some are no more than 30 years old. Many are 100 years or more. Um, the lodge in Pythagorean in Marion is 1908. The lodge building at the top of the hill in Westport is 1900. Wow. The lodge building in New Bedford goes back to 1823-ish mm-hmm. and uh, 1929 with the addition on it. Just to mention a few. They're all historically significant, and they all have wonderful impediments. Uh, or whatever that fancy word is of uh, architecture, mm-hmm. and they are absolutely fascinating. Everyone tells a story. Yep, there is. They're beautiful. Diff- there is different architecture inside all of them. And as I said before, one of the most interesting to visit is Grand Lodge of Massachusetts. So today as we're broadcasting our show, we wanted to bring some special information about the topic of masonry or Freemasonry, as we sometimes call it. We call ourselves brothers. We like to say that no matter what your position is in Lodge, whether you are the Worshipful Master, as both of you are right now, Worshipful Master-elect, Worshipful Master Sean Themis, and I'm a past master, 
Worshipful master doesn't mean anything other than an old English sign of respect. Correct. We don't, we don't worship the master. Yes. God forbid. We would never do that. Right. <laughs> we, try to, we try to respect him, but you always respect the chair. Yes. We always respect the chair. So um, I think probably both of you know that George Washington was a Mason. Yes. And one of my favorites is uh, Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin was a very active Mason as well. Yep. And one of the things I like to do on the radio show, um, brothers, is to talk about quotations. So here's one of a quotation from George Washington. If the freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. Hmm. Good quotation from George Washington. Absolutely. He also said something which is helpful today, I think, in the political climate that we exist George Washington said, guard against the impostures of pretended patriotism. Ooh, that's a good one. There's a lot of people who could take that lesson, right? Absolutely. He also said something which I think is very interesting. It's my last George Washington quote for today. The time is near at hand when, which must determine whether Americans are to be free men or slaves. And at the time, that was in the context of being under the thumb of British colonial rule. Mm -hmm. But it has meaning even today, doesn't it? I think it does. Bringing up George Washington, as as you mentioned, how um, even though you're master of the lodge or you could just be the the youngest member in the lodge, uh, we all respect each other the same. And I think it's kind of a cool thing with George Washington is uh, George Washington, his gardener, was actually master of his lodge at, at one point. So this guy was working for the president, you know, and, and but when they went into the lodge, he was the guy in charge. So, so it wasn't like he w- he looked down on this guy as the gardener. They were equally respected. To me, that's really cool because you see a lot of people nowadays that kind of look down on other people because sure. of what they do for work. Oh, well, that guy just pulls weeds out of my garden. And, and masonry doesn't regard people like that we, we nope. don't regard you based off of what you do it's not like oh well you're a lawyer so you're so you're better than this guy that picks up garbage we all uh, respect each other equally and i think that's something important to know we have every profession you can imagine in freemasonry and we never think about titles we only treat each other as equals so one of the things we say when we step down into the floor is that we're meeting on the level you know, there are many, many phrases that have found their way into uh, the English language and American uh, lexicon uh, that come from Freemasonry. We meet on the level. We're all equal. Um, we get, you've, did you ever hear the expression, a square deal? Mm-hmm. Well, we act on the square. We treat each other fairly. And a square deal comes from Freemasonry and a lot of other expressions that we'll probably think about as we go along. But Freemasonry is not just about having meetings with with equal brothers. It's also about charity. We do a lot of things to help the community. We do a lot of things to help children in particular. One thing that's always impressed me is that every charity that the various branches of Freemasonry support has got something to do with children, mm-hmm. whether it's early learning centers for dyslexic uh, children that the Scottish Rite helps, or how about the Shriners Hospital? Um, are yeah, either of you a Shriner by any chance? I'm not. Okay. You might become at some point. Um, are you a Shriner, Dino? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um, Working on it. I did a one-day class and became a Shriner. I pay my dues every year. I don't have the time to go to meetings for all these sub-organizations, but to be a Shriner in this country, you are first of all a Mason. So when you think about the Shriners football game uh, and when you think about the Shriners hospitals, every Shriner is also a Mason. That impresses me because not a lot of people know that the Shriners are Masons. Nope. And that kind of also goes to the charity side of it where we don't do charity to get recognition for doing charity. We do charity because we enjoy doing charity. It's the right thing to do. Yes, it is. So. These all these these organizations that you hear us talking about that are Masonic that are doing these charities. There's a reason why you didn't know that it was Masons. It's not because we're hiding anything. It's just we don't need the recognition for it. We do it for the for the good of p- 
people, just of mankind in general. Especially the children. And that is so important, indeed. And also in the area of education. So a number of years back, Grand Lodge of Masons in Massachusetts um, created a special fund and allocated part of the Grand Lodge monies to be used to help kids in school. It's 100% anonymous. So what happens every year is that teachers and principals get in touch with Masonic organizations, and they say, we've noticed that there's one child in our class who doesn't have a coat, comes to school every day in just a shirt sleeve. They, they need a coat. Um, I can tell you that people that we've spoken to on this radio show before couldn't afford glasses. They had to have eyeglasses. And we arranged through this special fund to have glasses donated anonymously. They went to their doctor and the bill was paid. So there are many, many ways in which uh, Freemasons help people in the areas of education or children in need. I mean, think how uncomfortable a child would be going into a school and have to wear the same shirt every day or not have a coat to wear when, when it's cold out. These are some of the kinds of things that we do. not have a backpack. But, you know, all the other kids, they're carrying their books around because they can't afford a backpack. Sure. Little things like that affect that child, and you might not think of it nope. normally, but these things affect them. So helping them out can can change their entire uh, educational experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it means a lot to every Mason to be able to do something to help others, and that's what we're all about. It was one of the main things that brought me to Masonry. I was uh, in my collegiate fraternity. I was philanthropic chair, and I did a lot of uh, – charity work Mm. so it was one of the things coming out of college that there aren't that many organizations and you know there was a lot of masonry connected to my collegiate fraternity as well Mm -hmm. so it kind of drew me to it and i had no idea how to pursue becoming a mason and then one day i was with uh one of my friends who is now a brother as well i don't know if he wants to be mentioned on air either um but we saw an open house and decided to come out, and now here we are. So You know, that's really a good point, Sean. Uh, we're talking with Sean Themis, who's the newly installed, only a month ago, master of Star in the East Lodge. The reason I became a Mason, which is kind of interesting, is I went to an open house, and I met the fellow who was the master of the lodge at the time, and he actually sponsored me to become a Mason. I didn't really know much about it, and you know why that's so ironic because I found out after the fact that my wife's father was a Mason and my wife's two brothers were Masons. Oh, wow. And I never, <laughs> never knew that. Yeah, that I happens had, a lot of times mm-hmm. in families uh, through no fault of their own, you know, because they're trying to hide anything. Um, they just, it was just, just not mentioned. Yet all of their regalia and certificates and whatnot, it's treasure trove, is in the family's possession. Yes. And then once you become a Mason, they pull all this stuff out and you go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. This yeah. is really, really cool. Well, you know, it used to be in the uh, older days, and I'd say even as recently as 20 years ago, if mm. you wanted to become a Mason, you had to know somebody who was in Freemasonry and you had to ask them. You had to be the one to initiate and say, To be one, you had to ask one. Yeah, to be one, ask one was the old okay. expression. And I still tell people that today. If so, like people will ask me. And I'll say, well, you kind of just took the first step. You asked me. I'm yep. a Mason. Yep. So that's that's the first step in doing it. And then we kind of have that conversation into yep. come to a dinner, come meet some of the guys. But today it's a little bit easier. You can go yes. to an open house. So we'd like to invite you to come to an open house on Saturday, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. You don't have to make a reservation. You can walk in. There are lodges in Marion, Fairhaven, Westport, New Bedford, and Fall River, local lodges. If you have interest, uh, check it out and find out what the building looks like inside. Talk to one or more Masons who will be there, happy to answer your questions and tell you how to get started. It's a great organization. You know, uh, Brother Dino, Worshipful Dino, with your military background— One of the things I've told people in the past is you get a certain feeling. You get a feeling because you were in a fraternity, Sean, for example, in college. You have a sense of brotherhood and camaraderie. You get the same feeling in the military. If you've ever served in the military, you know what it's like to watch somebody else's back, to help somebody else, to take care of somebody else. And one of our members in our lodge right now, who is also a former Marine as I was, 
I told him one day, I'm not going to mention his name, I'll just say Brian. I said, Brian, you were in the Marine Corps. You know the feeling you got when you graduated from boot camp and the feeling you got serving and looking out for your brother? I said, you're never going to see that feeling. You're never going to experience that feeling again anywhere else except in Freemasonry. That's very true. So he became a Mason, and I'm proud of the fact that he did. And I think a really cool part about it is even even when you look at and when you compare it to something like the military and a collegiate fraternity, yeah, I experienced it in, in my collegiate fraternity, but it was all people within my age group, within four years. And even in the military, mm-hmm. to an extent, you, there's more people within your age group. Sure, you have some guys that have been there for a long time, right. but in general, that that group that you really build the most camaraderie with are the guys that you're out there with all the time, and they're usually around your age group. I think a cool thing about masonry is it we vary. We have guys in the lodge that are 18. We have guys that are 80. So it's pretty cool that you build this relationship and this camaraderie, and, and you have guys that you might never have thought you would have things in common with and spoken with, that now you build this bond and you guys start talking right. and being a younger person, it's great for me it is because there's always someone, that, some something I can learn. There's always someone there who has a little more experience in whatever I'm going through than I have that I could look to who has no problem giving me some advice, and I know that it's for the right reasons. So, so it's really cool to me. Sean, when you said there were guys there who are 80, you looked over at me, but I'm not 80 yet. No, I know. So <laughs> Sometimes you might feel like 80 in the morning. Sometimes you feel like 80. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you know, I feel 80. An, an interesting, an interesting um, uh, perspective and something I think we can all identify with, regardless of gender or age, even a young lady or a young, young boy, um, is a toolbox. Yes. We all understand what a toolbox is. Masons, just like family members, Mm-hmm. have many commonalities uh, concerning identifying a toolbox. Freemasons have a special set of tools that are architecturally uh, founded upon. They are actual working tools that are philosophically presented for each degree. There are three degrees, uh, interdependence, fellow craft, and master mason. And each level you are introduced to a new set of tools. As the master mason, they're all the tools. And we can all understand about putting a hand down and gripping a tool bag or a metal toolbox Mm -hmm. and having those implements of whatever it is you need to know. For example, the backpack of a child in school. That's your toolbox. Yep, it It is. It contains all the equipment you need, your books, your tools, your crayons, your pens, your pencils, your laptop your cell phone, your bottle of water. These are all tools that we identify with and must have to survive on the surface of this planet, as well as above the air and under the sea. And And that's the beautiful thing about Freemasonry. It is, and we use a lot of symbolism. A lot of times people will say, well, aren't the Masons a secret society? And the answer is no, we're not a secret society. We're a society with secrets. Exactly. But when everybody takes their oath uh, to preserve and protect the secrets of Freemasonry, they do so at the altar. There's an altar in the middle of the room. And on the altar is the Holy Bible, Square and Compass, or the other book of faith for the religion that you might happen to belong to, if you belong to one. And those are symbols that we use in our lodge also, uh, just as we salute the flag and always do. And I'm, I'm always proud of the fact that we do those things. You know, Ben Franklin was a Mason. He was a very active Mason. He also said, The U.S. Constitution doesn't guarantee happiness, only the pursuit of it. You have to catch up with it yourself. He was also uh, paramount in developing um, vocabulary words that we had never had before, being the scientist he was. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you might expound on that, uh, Ray, because I think you might have the chart in front of you. But I do remember a battery, charge, were two of the uh, uh, scientific words that we had never had before. Right. Ben Franklin gave us and allowed and educated the world about uh, his electrical experiments, just for a small example. Did you know Charge that, is another one. Did you know that Ben Franklin was the man who first mapped the tides, and the, or not the tides, but the currents on That's the, the East Coast one. of yes. our country and on the West Coast of Europe and Africa? He figured out where the currents were going 
and created maps for the currents. That's interesting. I wasn't aware of that. That's cool. Yep. He was an absolutely amazing one man, for example. Such tremendous uh, contributions, not only to science and industry, but to freedom and free-thinking men that helped make our country what mm-hmm. it is today. Great. He also published uh, Poor Richard's Almanac, which is great. And one of the things he said once, a man wrapped up in himself makes a very small bundle. Mm. <laughs> a good <laughs> illustration. Like Many people can just relate to these very simple facts, and they're all from Freemasons. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, Ben Franklin was an amazing uh, Mason, and he was an amazing man, scientist, politician. Did you know that I believe 60 members of the the group who signed the Declaration of Independence were Masons? So it's not only the people who served in the Boston Tea Party. Did you know that approximately one-third of the United States presidents have been Masons? So we have a lot of interconnection between leadership in this country and people who have served in Freemasonry. It's just a wonderful organization. What I like most about Freemasonry is the fact that we are open to so many uh, beliefs and so many groups. In the country of Iran, when the Shah of Iran was deposed, And the religious Ayatollah leaders took over and created a theocracy, a religious state. The first thing they did was to throw out Freemasonry. When they did that, um, a lot of people left the country of Iran, including a lot of Masons left. A lot of them came to the United States. So the Grand Lodge of Masons in Massachusetts was the first Grand Lodge in our country that invited them to come in and use the Grand Lodge building. And twice a year, even now, the Grand Lodge of Iran in exile meets in Boston, and they gather from all around the world and all across the country, and they come in and they do their own Masonic Lodge That was one of the other things that was mentioned last night when we were having the conversation. I mean, isn't that incredible? It is. The other thing we have, um, we've had a lot of discrimination in this country. We've had a lot of religious persecution, religious discrimination, um, racial discrimination. Um, I grew up in the South as a kid. I grew up for the first 15 years of my life in North Carolina because my dad was in the Marine Corps for 20 years, and we lived there a lot. And I saw a lot of that firsthand. But what we've had in this country is we've had a, a lodge group called the Prince Hall Lodge of Masons, which is primarily an African American group. Massachusetts was the first Grand Lodge in this country that recognized the Prince Hall Lodge of Masons as equals. And every Prince Hall Lodge Mason is a Mason. And we visit their lodges sometime. In fact, it's been a while, but we've done, Star in the East has paid fraternal visits to Prince Hall Lodge and participated in their ceremonies. And, and they're right here in New Bedford. They're right here in New Bedford. And they're they're, they're, they in, branch in, they're New Bedford. in walking distance on a nice day. They yep. really are. And, and I do plan on doing something with them this year. And they have also visited our lodge. And it's, it's fun to see them do a third degree or see us do a third degree. Oh, there's another expression. Absolutely. Give somebody the third degree. Well, we give somebody the third degree when they become a Mason. You have to take three degrees, the first, second, and third degree. What's your title when you, when you take your third degree? Master Mason. Master Mason. We say there's no higher rank than Master Mason. That's very true. But I'm proud of the fact um, most all the states in the country now recognize Prince Hall Lodge as uh, equal. Uh, some of the deep southern states still do not, but most of them do. But I'm proud of the fact that Massachusetts was the first state in the country to And correct me if I'm wrong, that. but it was to- told to me— that Star in the East was actually the first lodge in Massachusetts to hold a joint dinner with uh, That Prince is very Hall. true, because the district deputy grandmaster at the time, uh, right worshipful Jack Levine. Levine, yep. Who happened to be, and I'm not prejudiced whatsoever, a Jewish master mason, mm-hmm. who, which is very interesting to note, that both he and... F. Lee Bailey were in the same law school together. Oh, wow. I think that's right. That is a true fact. 
you can Google it all you like. And, uh, you know, of course, Epley Bailey, uh, you know, had his own life. He's up in Maine still. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had his uh, you know, ups and downs and things and whatnot. Uh, right Wishful Jack Levine, God rest his soul, is long departed. But it was through his efforts and with the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts and the Grand Master that he was able to bring together the recognition and the honor and respect that the Prince Hall Masons needed and required and did pull together a first-time breaking of the bread and meal together. I've heard that story, too. In New Bedford. Yep. Good old Jack Levine. To me, that's kind of cool because I'm and a Cape Verdean, so being a, a person of color, Starney it's kind of cool to be master of yeah, Starling East Lodge where we were the In first lodge that sat with Prince Hall. So somewhere in the not-too-distant future, I think we're going to be hitting our 200th anniversary. Two Very years. soon. Two years. Yep. Boy, I want, to be, I want to be on the committee. I want to be on the committee. I don't want to run it, but I want to be on the committee. And We're going to all be contributing. Yeah. Absolutely. We've got lots yeah. of good yes. ideas. Well, welcome aboard. So imagine that yourself on. <laughs> 200 years of history in this country. Um, Not even just in this country. That's just in New Bedford. That's just yes. our in, lodge in, New Massa- Bedford, in New Bedford. If you read into the history of New Bedford, there was so much incredible American history linked to it. After all, if you recall, the revolution pretty much started in Massachusetts. Massachusetts, for some reason, had a very strong mentality and ability, and the leaders that came out of Massachusetts, call them, call them troublemakers, wise guys. But if it wasn't for these wise guy troublemakers, there would be no America country today as That's we right. know it, with the Constitution, Bill of Rights, and all yep. the fabric that was necessary to put together. And Masons have had a huge part to play in they that have. historically. Absolutely. And, Ray, I think you also uh, recognize and can recall that if it was not for Freemasonry, there would be no Marine Corps. I was going to mention that earlier. The, the Masons founded the, the large Marine part, they were the largest group of numbered uh, master masons uh, developed and made the Marine Corps what it is from the very beginning. So you've taught me something that I did not know, Dino. Really? So thank you for that. Really? Okay. I did well, not that's know that. a wonderful thing about these radio programs. Yeah. That was that was something <laughs> that was mentioned. We had a, we had a, a, a talk at Lodge last year at one point. Yes. About the Marine that Corps. That is a true fact. And it was yeah. That was it was the Marine Corps was founded. The whole idea of it was founded in a Masonic uh, tavern. 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 I knew, I knew they were founded in a tavern, but I always thought that was just appropriate for Marines. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marines being what they are, and they're wonderful people, by the way. And yes. you know, God bless them, and men and women, they are Marines, uh, both officer and enlisted corps. Thank God for the Marines, like they say. I know. Which, which that being said, there are obviously uh, a large amount of, People in the military who are Freemasons. Yes, exactly. Just because of that. I've met them all over the world uh, yep. in all kinds of commands above and below. That's another uh, real cool thing about Masonry for me is that you meet people from around the world. I've made friends on Facebook that I've never met in person, but we were just on a comment string of a mutual friend. And, you know, this guy lives in Idaho, or you know, I have a guy that, that I'm friends with that lives in France. And, you meet people from everywhere. Your brothers are all around the world. Yeah. And just as just we started in a conversation that we might not have even agreed upon. And you know, you Facebook, you'll click the page of the person you're not agreeing with to look at their stuff. We notice that the other's a Mason and something said to us to, hey, you're a brother, and now all of a sudden we're not even arguing anymore. Now we're friends and people in the string are like, Wait, what? How did that happen? Oh well, we're brothers. Now we're Facebook friends and we talk a lot. And it's it's just interesting that we have that type of um bond that type of bond even if you it's never a, it's met a great me bond uh the one thing i'm most proud of in my life is being a mason pure and simple nothing else matters i mean secondary there's a description of masonry that really holds true and it it goes like this the only really way to describe masonry is you have to live it yes mm-hmm. so you mentioned that the uh, the Masonic fraternity in this country was founded in a tavern, and the Marine Corps was founded in a tavern. So I've been popping out of my chair here because I wanted to give you another quotation from Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Please do. Wine is constant proof that God loves us and loves to see us happy. Fair oh, enough. <laughs> I think they all drink to that, right? I'll drink to that. <laughs> ha, ha. 
<laughs> you know, I also like to mention that we were talking about the historical significance of geographic Massachusetts. Uh, at the time of the colonial, pre-colonial time, parts of Maine were part of Massachusetts. And it is a true fact that when Paul Revere was Grand Master of Madison in Massachusetts, which at is the very same enough. time, Sam Adams was the governor. Okay? Now, they were best buddies, and Sam Adams just didn't, was probably a little too busy, just didn't have time to become a Freemason, but they were sons of Liberty Brothers. And when Paul Revere was the Grand Master for three years in Massachusetts, he uh, chartered a number of about half a dozen or so, or four, no more than four or so, or six, uh, lodges in Maine, of which there are several, at least definitely two, that still meet today, mm-hmm. in the early 1800s, because they were part of Massachusetts. Yeah, that would make sense, that because Maine used to be part of Massachusetts. It, mm-hmm. is, it is fascinating. The history is incredible. So you mentioned earlier traveling. Um, Masons are sometimes called traveling men. True. Somebody wears a Masonic ring, you say, oh, I see you're a traveling man, which means you can travel from lodge to lodge to lodge, and you'll always find a friend, you'll always find a brother. It's a great fraternal society. I've had the, uh, the pleasure and the good fortune during the centennial of the Grand Lodge of Hawaii, 100th anniversary, the one and only time I ever made a trip there, uh, it happened to coincide with the centennial, and I was a grand steward at Grand Lodge at the time. And I got a special letter of introduction from the Grand Secretary's office, and I took my Masonic Grand Lodge apron and my jewel and everything else and told them ahead of time I was coming, and they had me get up and speak. And I talked a little bit about the wonderful historical connections between New Bedford and Hawaii, you know, the whaling industry, the whaling ships. Oh, yeah. And so we've got connections all around the world with Freemasonry. I didn't visit a sitting lodge in um, in France, but I did visit the Grand Lodge in France when I was there, and I did attend a lodge meeting in uh, London when I was there. So it's it's a very interesting experience to be able to travel and find out if there's a lodge meeting near you. Bring your apron and jewel with you if you are an officer. Get an introduction that you're in good standing. That's important. And then it's just great fun to visit. I also went to a lodge in Florida once, and when they realized that I was the master of my lodge at the time, they invited me to come up and sit in the east. So I did that. Oh, cool. And lots of great experiences. You're going to have a lot of good time. I want to visit Brother Sean. the lodge in Laconia because uh, my girlfriend lives in Laconia. Okay. So um, they meet the first Wednesday of the month. So actually they're meeting tonight, um, but we meet the first Tuesday. So I haven't been able to get up there, but that's something I plan to do while I'm in the east, and you visit should. up there um, visiting whenever is, I can. Visiting is lots and lots of fun to do. We've only got about five minutes left before we're going to sign off. Um, I, I want to, again – just basically say, if you become a Mason, you've got brothers everywhere. You get a wonderful feeling when you walk into Lodge. It's not a secret society. You can go on Barnes & Noble. You can get a book on Freemasonry, which will tell you everything you ever wanted to know. They're not public secrets, but there are certain rituals and things that are very important to Masons that bind us together as brothers. Right, Brody? Brody's shaking his head. Brody just re-entered the room. So um, lots of interesting people have become Masons over the years, and um, Ben Franklin is one of my favorites. Like I said, I want to give you one more quotation from him. It has nothing to do with Freemasonry. It's, he that displays too often his wife and his wallet is in danger of having both of them borrowed. <laughs> oh dear that's a good one that's good <laughs> strange but true strange but I, true I think it's important that, that people know um, I, a common misconception about masonry I feel is that it's just all old guys I don't know how many times people have come to visit the lodge and come to dinner and I get wow you guys have a lot of young guys here um, it's it's not just a bunch of like people think oh Freemasonry it's all seventy year old guys meeting and mm-hmm. and it it's couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, I want to say close to half a little less than half of our of Star in the East Lodge's membership is under the age of sixty five. So mm-hmm. 
Sure. I feel like some people stay away because they feel like, oh, it's only old guys. It's I'm, I'm interested in this, but I got to wait until I'm retired because it's all retired guys that do it. It's not the truth. If it's something that's interested you, come out to the open house. Come check us out. See see what we're about. Meet some of the guys. And you might be really surprised and say, oh, wow, this is something that I'm interested in doing now and something that I want to find out more about now. And I, I highly suggest it. If it's something you've ever thought about, come out to the open house. Come meet us. I'll be there in New Bedford. So come meet some of the guys, and, and uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you. I'm glad you mentioned that because we have turned the corner most recently in the past five years um, of a lot of younger Masons. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of Masons that are under age 30. Mm-hmm. And I'm 43 and a master of lodge. That have joined, that are still active DMLAs yeah. because you age out at 21 as a senior DMLA. Mm-hmm. And they have even state officers, and they're a master Mason. And they've gone through all three degrees, and they're holding down even perhaps a lodge office as a under-20-year-old. That's mm-hmm. amazing. I want to say real quickly, there are lots and lots of other Masonic branches. There are offshoots, like there's the York Rite, the Scottish Rite, there's Eastern Star for women, Rainbow uh, Girls for girls, um, and um, Demolay for, the Demolay for boys. Thank you very much. So there's lots to learn about Freemason. We can't possibly cover it today. If you have interest in learning more, come to the open house on Saturday, October 17th. Uh, if you're not sure where to go, uh, Topper County Street, there's lodges. Marion, Fairhaven, Westport, New Bedford, and Fall River in our area are having open houses. i also like to mention, uh, Brother Ray and uh, Brother Sean, that if you just get on massmasons.org website, good. there is a public website domain that will answer every single question you could possibly ask in a very easy area, all by yourself, in your own privacy of your tablet, cell phone, computer, wherever. Mm-hmm. And it is a wonderful website. It's up 24-7, massmasons.org, all lowercase. Just click on that, Google it, boom, you're in. Well, thank you for listening today, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you learned something. Uh, Brother Dino Valenti, Brother Sean Themis, Worshipful Masters both, thank you for being here. Um, Brother Brody Heldman, thank, thank you for, you for us. running the boards. Uh, learn something that you can do to become a part of this wonderful world's oldest fraternity. Learn more about the history of Freemasonry. Come to the open house. And if you're worthy, we'd like to have you join us. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>